This is a fresh agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here is your host, Christina Mendonza. This is a fresh agenda where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonza. Glad to have you here in this tiny part of the podcast universe. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please check out my other episodes. Subscribe, share, rate if you have time. I'd be so appreciative. If you're about my age or even a few years older, you probably remember that poster of Farrah Fawcett. She's in the red one-piece bathing suit. It hung on the bedroom wall of half the teenagers in America. The poster came out in the mid-70s. It sold 12 million copies, and it still holds the record for best-selling poster of all time. In fact, Farrah Fawcett earned $400,000 in royalties from that poster, which dwarfed the $5,000 she was getting per episode on Charlie's Angels at that time uh, during her one season on the show. Now, someone very surprised to see that poster when it actually came out was pioneering fashion designer Norma Kamali. She made, she designed that iconic suit that Farrah Fawcett was wearing in the poster, and she had no idea that uh, it would show up on a poster or that it would be known as one of her most well-known works. She didn't even like the bathing suit. So Kamali went on to design for Cher and Joan Jett, among others, and at 75, she's still designing, she's still passing on her secrets to aging well, and she has a new book out about aging well through the decades. Norma Kamali is my guest today, and I'll let her tell the rest of the story about that swimsuit. But first, a story about finding your story. Kamali's design of the Fair Fawcett suit is a story she tells very well, and it's very powerful for evoking recognition. It's a great opener for the story of her life and her work. And when it comes to your business or your brand, you can do the same thing. Find a story in your own life that encapsulates who you are or evokes an emotion or just connects people with something that they've heard of or know of. There is no more authentic persuasion tool than a well-crafted story. A good story actually changes someone's brain chemistry. It helps them remember you or your business, evokes an emotion. And I mention this because that's part of what I do now. I help businesses connect with their own stories. So sometimes in your busy day, it's hard to find the time to reflect and really think about whether a situation or invention or happenstance would make a good story for your brand or business. So here are a few questions to ask yourself when you're wondering, where's my brand building story? Where's my business building story? So finish these three sentences. What is your life's work about? What is it also about? What is it really about? Here, I'll give you an example. I'll do mine. Uh, here are my three sentences. My life's work is about being a storyteller. It's also about connecting people with ideas that help them understand their world and their place in their customer's world. And it's really about feeling most useful and helpful to the world when I'm making those connections. That last part of the sentence really gets at the core of how you feel most useful in the world professionally. You can dig it up and dig into what makes you feel most personally useful too, if you wanna do that one. Now on to Norma Kamali. 
In addition to Farah and Cher, she dressed Robert Plant, John Lennon, and at 75, she looks amazing herself. You'll have to Google a picture of her. Now, her new book is I Am Invincible, and it is a decade-by-decade reference guide to good living and aging well. At 75 and 53 years owning and running my business and being a designer, I figured I had a little experience to share. And so I decided to create a handbook of sorts because very often through the decades, I would say to myself, man, if I only had a handbook to figure this, this cap, whatever's going on here out. And so I, I did that, but I also um, started with the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way through. But I also interject the concept of aging with power, because even at 20, we're aware of the aging process. And I, I think it, it, it's really important to understand aging through a positive lens instead of this anti-aging, anti-wrinkle, anti-everything that has to do with that process. So that's part of my mission with the book as well. I love the part of the book where you go through each decade of life and impart some wisdom, uh, tell a story about how you were tackling things in your life at that age. Right. What decade is your favorite? You know, and it's not a cliche, but actually where I am right now, the the truth is, I mean, I hear people say, wouldn't you want to be 27 again? Like, God, no. Why would you want to go through your <laughs> 20s again? What the hell are you thinking? And and so when you finish a decade, you're finished with it. Like, done. Not going back there again. Not needed. Not necessary. Because you evolve and you transform to get you ready for the next decade. So quite frankly, 50 is a very significant um, milestone because you literally shed your skin um, and it's sort of in a menopausal zone, too. So you're shedding everything, and you're transforming and reinventing yourself. And the way you approach that really sort of defines the rest of your life. And whatever that reinvention is, a lot of, a lot of work is involved, but it is a very meaningful time because you can either – proceed and become invisible, or you can proceed and be productive. And so I feel really good right now at this point in my life. I feel good about the book and sharing the information. I feel good about some of the projects I'm working on now and working on in the future. And I also use this long-game long, long rule. I I read somewhere that, in a couple of places actually, that when you're 120, all of your cells are finished turning over. That's it, done. So I thought, okay, I am going to look at 120 as the end end game for me. Now, obviously, my genetic makeup may change that, and God only knows what that is. Or I don't. I'm not letting that sort of define my look at the future. But what it does is it gives me the opportunity to plan, to plan ahead, to make, you know, live a dream. But I also have to be very conscientious about healthy lifestyle. 
what I'm eating, exercising, making sure I'm getting sleep, doing things that are self-love in order to get these things done. So a lot of it has to do with mindset and um, the belief that you have the opportunity to look at the experience you've gained in your life as an asset, not as something that is sort of a negative I can see lessons in this book being talked about between mothers and daughters. I mean, having just entered my 50s, um, I Mm -hmm. related very well to that chapter and and talking about, you know, the the transformation that you go through, um, all the skills that you've gained up until that point. And then also, you know, having daughters in in their 20s, encouraging healthy habits early because you may be able to get away with late nights and little exercise in your 20s. You can't get away with that later in life if you want the same energy to accomplish your goals? Well, you know, Christina, it's actually um, even more critical for uh, girls in their 20s now or boys too because we are in such a, a toxic world, not just the way we grow food and do lots of things, but the toxicity is in the news we hear in the, you know, pandemic and in all of these things, think about what is happening to 20-year-olds right now. Think about what's going on for them. So the anxiety and the the mental pressure is extraordinary. So they, they don't have time to play around. They have to start now. And and we really have to impress upon them. And I'm doing it every time I speak on a podcast that is geared towards that age group, that they have to start now getting through the stress and anxiety of the 20s. And at the best time is hard. But where we are in the world right now in this global pressure, whether it's social media, a pandemic, or some other craziness on the news is tough. And relationships in the 20s is tough and was tough when I was growing up. But now their relationships are all on their mobile devices. That's their relationships. They don't interact in the way we did in the past. And one of the things I really implore them to do once we can get out there and interact again is get together in groups Put your mobile devices away. Hold each other's hands. Touch each other. Wrap your arms around each other. Feel connected to each other so that you can start to understand the subtlety of somebody putting their hand on your face as a gesture of kindness and gentleness. They have missed that because there's a mobile device in their hands. And I am so concerned about that that I find myself really being almost militant when I talk to them about it. Like, you must do this. You have to promise to do this. And and I think anyone who has girls in their 20s must really talk to them about trying very hard to be disciplined about how they take care of themselves. And self-love is critical in attracting positive people to you, attracting the right kind of guys to you or relationships. If you have self-esteem issues or self-hate issues, you will attract the dregs 
and we have all done it. I don't know about you, Christina, but I've certainly had enough mm-hmm. of my funky experiences. And you want we want to protect them from that. And the best way is self-love and not narcissistic self-love. I'm not talking about that at all. You know what I mean when I say that. So I feel really, I, I'm so happy that, that I have this book now to use to communicate to the 20-year-olds. It's so important for them to start to kind of really look seriously about how they live their lives. And, um, and it's important for everybody to get some message of the book. But I really, um, I, I'm most concerned about that age group, to be honest with you. Right. You uh, mentioned, I want to get a couple of specifics from the book. You mentioned um, the, your, your pillars for living well. Let's talk about right. those. What, what has helped you um, all through the decades? Well, um, you know, in just as a little preface to this, during AIDS, two of my dearest friends died in the year. And the loss and the way I dealt with grief was to try to understand what happens to the immune system when it gets broken like that. And I sought out people who were sort of thinking about this and talking about it. And and Andrew Weil, Dr. Weil, had already, he totally a pioneer in this world, had already started doing, doing um, these retreats and seminars, and I joined those. And then I also went to not only Arizona, but New Mexico, Southern California, meeting with people, and then eventually... Uh, horse who developed Aveda became a mentor for me. And through that information, I learned the premise and the concept of healthy lifestyle. And the three pillars of a healthy lifestyle are sleep, diet, and exercise. And sleep is 50% of that pie. And sleep does not begin when you put your head on the pillow. It starts the minute you get up in the morning. Like how much caffeine do you think you should have? before it starts affecting your sleep. How much stress do you think you can handle today before it affects your, your night's sleep? And so how about you know diffusing it with meditation or some other practice that might not give it the power it would have it when you put your head on a pillow? And there's the whole, I, I put a lot more about this in the book. And then we eat too much and we could eat less and better quality food and get the nutrition and the, the, the support of that kind of nutrition in our bodies for just overall general good health. Exercise is critical. Every day, if our bodies feel empowered and feel strong and feel good, the attitude about how we interact, how we feel about clothes, how we feel about just our general presence, our physical presence, our, our, our relationship with sex, our relationship with, with how we feel in general has so much to do with that. And so exercise, guess what? Guess what? You exercise, good things happen. You exercise, you also can achieve goals and exercise that give you the signal that you can achieve more in other parts of your life. 
So sleep, diet, and exercise are woven throughout the book in different ways through each decade, but they are really meaningful tools to get you through the decade. I love interviewing creative people, um, and I've interviewed some other designers um, on this podcast. And, you know, tell me about what you are into right now. I mean, you have just like this, you've built the, this empire, you have this, this um, you know, these designs that you are so well known for. What are you, are you kind of sticking within that genre? Are you always looking for something different uh, in the design world? What are you into right now? Well, um, I think the, the thing that a designer does when you're thinking about what you're going to do for the next collection is you're analyzing and you're sort of like an antenna for what's going on in the world. What's happening now? Well, there's a pandemic. People are staying home. What are they wearing at home? Is anybody wearing shoes? Are they going to wear shoes after the pandemic? What kind of shoes? They're going to want comfortable shoes. What does that mean for clothes? What does that mean for hem length? What kind of fabrics are we going to want now? How are we going to, are we going to wear more pants or are we going to want to jump back to dresses and high heels? So your, your brain is going constantly thinking, 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 what does that mean? What does that mean? And out of all of that conversation you have with yourself, you're sketching and you're thinking about what the solutions are for that. So for me, I like to take, um, a more inventive approach to look at an opportunity like this. So when you have a very disruptive time, there's an opening for doing something completely new. And a lot of young designers are asking me now, how do we, how are we going to get into this industry with the pandemic and everything going on? And I tell them, think hard give a true analysis of yourself. Are you unique? Are you really unique? Is what you have or the service you provide or how, whatever it is, is it unique enough to really get people's interest? And is the story you're about to tell about your uniqueness also unique and interesting? And if in fact you can, because of the world we're in, you can be in a global business in a very short time, but you have to have something very special, and it has to fit this door opening of post-pandemic. And after every big world global crisis, new things can come in. There's a chance for that door to open for something very new to come in. And we've seen all the silver linings that have come out of this pandemic that has also caused havoc. But there are many silver linings, and I think there's an opportunity ahead of us that can be quite exciting. Tell me a story about uh, the most influential designer, professional influence on you, on your designs, on on your life. Who helped you? Well, um, I think the influences for me really... um, so back to, I, I wanted to be a painter, to be honest, and I, I loved painting, and I, um, my mother was definitely not going to be able to send me to college, and I, I knew I had to get uh, a 
some sort of scholarship. And so through my painting, I was able to get scholarships and grants. And I was obsessed with studying anatomy and anatomical drawing. And Michelangelo, photos of his sculptures, his sketches, his work were like wallpapering my entire room, feeling everything. And Rudolf Nureyev, who was a very famous dancer um, in his peak in the 60s, mm-hmm. was also in my room. And that the human form was just a, a very in-depth study for me. And I enjoyed it. And I really understand that who I am as a designer really goes back to the human form, the movement of the human form, and how you look at clothes in a 360-degree visual. And so that's why swimwear is so natural to me, and movement is very important for me. So I think my influences, my mother was also a tremendous influence because she was what I thought was eccentric but realized she was just a genius and doing so many different things, so talented. And she taught me that anything you want to do, you can do. There's no door closed and there was no such thing as it can't be done or it's for men to do. It's like do it, just do it. And she taught me about independence very early. And she really had conversations with me about being an independent woman and being able to do that. So I I think those lessons and my, my, and I still am a, you know, a big um, human form person. I do a lot of dance costumes. I do stuff for Twyla Tharp. Um, in her, uh, with her choreography, I love working with dance and, and movement, um, and a lot of the costumes for uh, ABT. I just did some things for a virtual dance that two of the dancers did. So I love that, and it's so much a part of my work. So that's my influence. I had read in your background that um, you are responsible for probably one of the most famous bathing suits ever to um, grace posters everywhere on a celebrity. And that's that red, iconic suit that Farrah Fawcett wore. Yes. And unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword because... You know, as a designer, there are times, at the time especially, um, I would test things in the shop. And I remember making six of those and thinking, you know, I'm not going to make that one again. I really, I don't like it. And I didn't know that Farrah bought one of them. And, and then until I saw the poster and she was wearing it, and when she came in, I was like, Farrah why that swimsuit and she just said it was in my bag and my friend is a photographer and we were on the beach and we just took it and it was great so clearly that poster had nothing to do with my swimsuit it had plenty to do with her she just not only was she not threatening for men, for them, everybody to remember and still, you know, remember the moment they had that picture on the wall. But she was truly that kind of a person, just so beautiful, so lovely and kind. And and her beauty just 
tops off of that that photograph and you know my red swimsuit just went along for the ride clearly oh i love it i love it so tell me um and i ask everyone that i invite on the podcast uh this question what do you do to recharge your creative energy when you're feeling a little bit depleted do you have um do you have a ritual do you have a habit do you have a hobby what what replenishes you well, for me, I, first of all, I meditate every day because that is really just gets me from day to day. But when I really want to replenish, it's actually silence and um, just my favorite place to replenish is to sit on the beach and just watch the waves roll in and out and just go into nothingness and clear everything out because my life is very busy and active. And so the complete opposite of it is doing nothing, but being in an environment where you feel the warmth of the sun and the sound of the ocean and just looking at nature's beauty and walking on the beach. I mean, that to me, you can't get better than that. <laughs> All right, Norma Kamali, thank you. Fashion icon, author thank of you. I Am Invincible. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Christina. Have a lovely day. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Norma Kamali. Her book is called I Am Invincible and is a collection of advice for aging well over the decades. Fun stories from her life and career too. We're closing in on our first 100 episodes of A Fresh Agenda, and I'm trying to think of who will make a special 100th guest, or if I'll just put together some of my favorite interviews. Either way, I so appreciate you listening. If you like what you hear, the best way to let me know is to let others know with a review on iTunes or SoundCloud or iHeartMedia. Just Google A Fresh Agenda. You'll find a spot to leave some thoughts. You can also visit my website at mendonsamedia.com. And connect with me on my socials, however you want to reach out. I'd be appreciative. I'm Christina Mendonca. Thanks for being here for A Fresh Agenda. Let's stay connected. This is A Fresh Agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.